Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort, which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are, is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Samra, it's uh, incredible to have you on the Grow With Me podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And I want to congratulate you on your new nonprofit organization, Brave Beginnings. I just checked that you recently launched it. And uh, it's an incredible organization. So for those of you who don't know, it's, uh, so it's a nonprofit and it partners with women's shelters across Canada and it matches women uh, with mentees. And this is for women who are facing uh, domestic violence or domestic abuse, right? Yeah, women who've escaped violence or oppression and uh, who are looking to build a new life after escaping. And it's, the hard, it's a really hard part of life because you're often starting from scratch and sometimes, you know, depending on your community and culture, your family is against you and it's very mm-hmm. scary time, right? Um, so we match um, these women with mentors uh, who, are, uh, who are strong, compassionate women who want to give back and help, help a survivor uh, build her new life. And um, it's kind of like a big sister kind of a program for abuse survivors. And, uh, and we're thrilled. Like we've been working on it for the past four or five years and a lot of wow. twists and turns and, you know, things that the board fell apart and I had to recruit a new board and then other things happened and all of that. But finally we are at a stage where we're about to launch our first cohort and um, we are going to achieve charity status soon. So it's a, it's a really, really amazing time. Uh, and um, we're very excited, very excited. Incredible. Congratulations on that again. So let's dive uh, straight into uh, why you started this organization, like your story behind it. You know, um, so my personal story of uh, coming out from an abusive marriage, uh, child marriage, and then eventually uh, building a new life, I I just always felt that I wanted to give back and help others because I knew that my story is not just mine. My story is the story of millions and millions of women and girls around the world who continue to suffer in silence, including here uh, in Canada. And I wanted to do, do my part to make a difference. So I started sharing my story. And when I shared my story, a lot of women in locally would reach out to me and say, can I, can I just talk to you? Can I have a cup of coffee with you? Can you, can you give me some guidance, give me some encouragement. And I started to mentor women um, on my own personal time and I saw the difference it made the human connection was the key to helping them thrive and heal and succeed after escaping violence so um, some of them were able to start new businesses some of them were able to go back to school or just improve their self-confidence and um, I thought to myself well you know what about if there's a network because I'm just one person. What if we create a network of, of mentors uh, who are helping these women rebuild uh, or build, build new lives? And um, 
you know, for sure, leaving abuse is very hard, but staying away is even harder because then it's so intimidating sometimes, you know, where do I start? I don't have life skills. I don't have confidence. I don't have friends. I don't know how to get a job. I don't know. I haven't completed my education. So there's all these different barriers that women face uh, when they're trying to go forward with their life. And having somebody who believes in you, who champions you, who helps you uh, be more courageous and, and get past those limiting beliefs is, is, is just absolutely priceless. And certainly I wouldn't be here if it weren't for my mentors and people who supported me and I wanted to pay it forward. So um, that's what gave birth to the idea for Great Beginnings, a, like a mentorship program. And, and then, you know, and then we just kind of went with it and, and had a vision. And now that vision is finally coming to life. And I was, I've been very lucky to have a great team and uh, find uh, amazing people for my board of directors who really uh, are uh, pulling through and, and have held on from day one and, and uh, help help to make this a reality because you know uh, yeah for sure you want to do all those things but you have you need people around you so yeah. I've been very very lucky it's it's totally a team effort yeah so I love the idea and I love the intention behind it and so let's go back to um, uh, child marriages so you said you got married when you were very young and it was arranged and part of it is because of the culture that we grew up in or our parents grew up in and um, so you're from Pakistan originally. Pakistan, yes. Okay, me too. And then um, <laughs> Samra and I are not related. We just have the same last I name. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I saw that and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like such a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, people might be wondering, same country, same last name on their way. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. So so you were um, arranged uh, to be married by your parents. And how old were you when that? I was 16. 16 years old. I was 16 years old. In grade 11, I was doing my math homework when my mom came into my room, she stroked my hair, put a glass of orange juice on my table, and then announced that there's a marriage proposal uh, for me. And um, and my parents are considering it. And within the next few weeks, I was engaged. And I was told that I don't have much of a choice. And it was the best thing for me. And, and uh, right after my 17th birthday, I was married off. And then mm-hmm. Canada as a, as a wife and I had never met him I the first time I met him was on the day of my wedding yeah and that's that's the way it happens for for a lot of girls at home just because there's a culture and then the culture becomes tradition and then so one thing I wanted to highlight was that just because there's a tradition that we're doing something doesn't mean it's morally or ethically sound like you yeah. said you had no choice in the matter but it was your your life right exactly and, uh, you know, we often, we often think of these things as, oh, it's their culture, it's their religion, it's their norm. So who are we to say something about it, right? A lot of people will say that looking in from the outside. Um, but child marriage, domestic abuse, all those things, these are human rights violations. Mm-hmm. And we should never overlook human rights violations in the name of culture and religion. And sometimes, you know, people will say to me, well, if you turned out to be a good husband, it would have been a bad, it wouldn't have been a bad thing. And mm-hmm. I always answer this by, okay, even if he was the best husband in the world, does that make it okay for me to lose my childhood, my adolescence, my right to grow up, my right to decide how to live my life, which career to pursue, um, who and when to get married, uh, when who who to choose to get married to and 
my right to go to concerts with friends and fall in love and make my mistakes and choose if and when to have children like all those things that made me me like is it okay to give that up um and and be deprived of those things just because i achieved my true purpose of marriage and he was a good husband is that the only thing women are for you know uh is that the only purpose we have in life is to find a good husband no no we're individuals we're complete human beings right we're not some little bell attached to the neck of a a pet or something you know like it's it's um it's a whole different way of of thinking which i think our society needs to evolve to and that change will only happen by breaking the silence because in these kinds of things complicity is also oppressive you know when you're silence when you're silent it only favors the oppressor and never the oppressed so more and more of us need to speak up more and more men need to speak up so i'm really glad we're doing this you know more and more people need to say that no this is wrong and this shouldn't be happening it's not a men versus women issue it's a human rights issue it's exactly uh, it's uh it's all of us versus the problem issue and when we approach it that way and we and, and we address the root causes you know like toxic masculinity or telling women and from a young age like i was i i'm the eldest of four girls so growing up in my family i always heard that uh, oh don't dream too big don't forget that you're a girl so stay in your limits mm-hmm. right or um you're you're um uh, you you just have to like conform and like it's okay to have dreams but don't expect them to come true um you should be lucky that you got to the real purpose of being a girl sooner rather than later and didn't have to go through that uh education crap uh even when i got divorced my my own brother-in-law one day called me and said what's the point of you being winning all these awards and scholarships uh if you failed at the real purpose of being a woman shame on you you know so these are things you hear uh, and women here and girls here from a very very young age and we that becomes a reality system so it's going to take a lot of deliberate and very multi-pronged efforts to shed those beliefs that propagate these behaviors uh so it's you know yes the laws will do one thing you know like absolutely child marriage continues to be legal in many many countries around the world shockingly even canada so we need to change those laws but we also need to start from the ground up and from the grassroots level of changing mindsets and educating people and changing this whole idea of this woman's honor is attached to her clothing and marital status and uh, ability to bear children and everything that she has to serve instead of who she is as a person right and then a lot of it has to do with breaking the cycle right like you said it started with you and a lot of the times people don't get don't get to uh, live or act as powerfully as you did in your situation like it's extremely hard i was reading your blog about your story and it was an incredible story like i cried at the end of reading your story i was like wow that is that is amazing and and a lot of women don't don't have the courage or don't have the resources or don't have the support to do what you did and and so they become complacent and then that that tradition and that culture is passed on to future generations so it starts with you and a lot of the time so we're working on you know helping women who have been in in domestic uh violence or part of uh, abusive relationships but how do we stop 
that wound from appearing in the first place, right? Like, right, we're putting, at the end of the day, this is, like, important work. Like, there's so much, it is required in, in you know, all over the world. But, you know, helping people who've already been through it is like putting bandage on a wound, right? So how do we stop the wound from occurring in the first place? What That's do you a great think? question. That's a great question. I always often say that, Everything right now that we're doing is reactive. It's like damage has happened. Let's do damage control, right? Mm-hmm. And but how do we prevent uh, the damage from happening? And that starts with education and awareness. And I think it starts from, again, like I said, gra- grassroots work of changing those age-old ideas and beliefs about gender roles. Um, so patriarchy affects not just women but also men like I mean men are told that they have to be tough they can't cry they can't express emotions and then the only emotions that are acceptable for a man are rage and anger and and toughness and you know and they're so what does what does that do it takes away a sense of empathy you know when you're not able to empathize with your own emotions you cannot empathize with other people's emotions so if you can't be empathetic to yourself and you shut that part of you down you're not going to be empathetic to others so when you are harming someone else, you're not going to feel their pain. What is, what is that emotion that, that keeps us from harming other people? It's empathy. And when you lack empathy, then, you know, you lose your humanity. And that's what is happening. That's what toxic masculinity is doing to boys and men. So it's much, as much harmful to them as it is to women. And for women, we're teaching them to be conforming, to be less, to be... Uh, you know, to be um, um, uh, compliant, submissive, subservient, uh, because that's your place. You know, we're told from a young age, you're, you're a girl, don't dream too big. Your job is to look pretty and, and serve the man. Or we're told that, uh, you know, we, if, if we're too boss, if you're too loud, we're, we're going to be perceived as bossy. And, and if we're too assertive, we're going to be d- difficult. Or if we're too educated, we're not going to find any guy who will want us. If we're too this, like we're just bombarded with all these ideas of what we should be. And we spend the, our entire lives trying to conform to those ideas in order to be accepted and get the societal approval, the stamp, you know, uh, and we never quite achieve it. We're never good enough. And we're told yeah. that from a very young age that we're never good enough. So and then that also and that edu- that starts with education, awareness, talking to our children, and, and it will happen over generations. But that's where it, it starts, you know, teaching our children about early signs of abusive behavior, how to recognize in the beginning and walk away and protect yourself and others around you. Um, and I've and my first TED talk was exactly on this topic. So uh, it's very important to be proactive. And that's a great answer because it does start with education and awareness. And then it also like from, from, for uh, marriages in our culture, and there's a stigma behind like when you get divorced, that means you're, especially for, for women or girls that their life is over, right? Like there's no more moving forward. You're like, all that gets put on you, uh, damaged goods, used property, stay away. Yeah, yep, exactly. So that also doesn't help when, so imagine being a girl in that situation and you're in an abusive relationship, but if you want divorce, then, you know, your, your life as perceived by society is pretty much over. So there, yeah. it comes with a lot of baggage and a lot of pressure. And that's why, um, you know, your story is that much more powerful and inspiring. 
that you, you know, went against all those norms and you challenged them and, you know, here you are. You know, um, I, I get that backlash a lot. You know, like I said, what my brother-in-law said, or uh, mm-hmm. even in uh, even in, around here, like there was a, a couple of years ago, I was speaking at an International Women's Day event at a Punjabi Sikh community here in Brampton in Canada. And, uh, and uh, this one person got up after my speech and said, you know, what, what's the, why you talk about this empowerment? What's the point of this empowerment if you are a single mother with a broken family? And single mother is such a bad word, you know, there's like so much stigma and negative connotation attached to it. So in order to, it is okay for a woman to tolerate abuse and violence and disrespect with all due respect, sir, in your eyes, I might, we might be a broken family, but actually we are more complete and happy than ever before, because what makes a complete and happy family is love and respect, not traditional gender roles. If there's something that you really want to do and you don't have a conversation about it with someone who's actually done it, it's going to be a very difficult path. And that's something that I've learned through my experiences, you know, of writing a best-selling book, of starting and failing at a business, of starting this podcast and learning how to interview and be interviewed on other podcasts. And so I want to tell you that I had help. I had a lot of help to get to where I am today. And I want to offer that back to you. Everything that I've learned through my experiences, hundreds of hours of personal development and having something in mind and actually going out and doing it, I want to offer that back to you. So if there's something that you really want to do and you think I can help you out with that, reach out to me and book this 30-minute call. It's absolutely free. There's no commitment and I'm not going to sell you anything here. All I'm doing is seeing if there's any way I can add as much value to your life as I can. So if you're interested in that, click that link and let's start talking about your dreams. This was back in seven, eight years ago. There were so many times that I was sexually harassed by married men in the Pakistani Indian community. And and I, I and, and they would be shocked if I turned them down because they would be like, you should be grateful that we're even giving you attention. And don't forget like you're divorced. Like as, as if, you know, like I'm some kind of like, I'm reading some kind of a sign that I'm available. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there for the taking and it's fair game. So there's all these different disgusting attitudes attached to, to the stigma of being divorced. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of reason why women stay because they, they don't want to be labeled with that sense of stigma and shame. Uh, and, and that's, again, an important part of what needs to be done. And the more we speak, uh, we put the shame where it belongs, which is with abusers and not with the victims. And there's nothing wrong with being divorced. If you're not happy with someone, like life is short. Life is, life comes once. You know, if you're not happy, then what's the point? And even if there is no abuse, like sometimes two good people will not be good together. There's it's your life, you know, and you deserve to be happy. And um, certainly you want to make sure that, you know, you're, if you're, you're amicably doing it so that your children are not affected and everything, but you know, life is too short to spend doing things and being with people that are not fulfilling you. And, and then it, and then if it, there's actually abuse and violence involved, it should never, never be tolerated because even for the sake of kids, because kids are seeing that, they will normalize it. They will think that's what love looks like. And that's the kind of love they will they will um, accept into their own lives. So when I left my marriage, my biggest factor 
was that I don't want my children to grow up thinking this is okay. And I don't want them to accept this in their own lives it's because that's how the cycle of violence perpetuates over generations. And it's time to like stand up and say, it ends with me. And that's when things will start changing. Exactly. And that's powerful. And it's the same thing about stopping the cycle with you, right? And, and your kids. And then the children at a young age are very malleable too, right? So um, I read Dr. Bruce Lipson's book, The Biology of Belief, and he talks about how children between the ages of zero to nine, their brainwaves are in a different state. It's called theta, which is imagination, but it's also hypnosis, meaning that everything they're seeing, everything they're going through, it's being recorded. And then when they shift their brainwave states and they grow older over the ages of nine, they come into Delta I means they start becoming aware of everything they've seen and everything that's recorded and everything that's normalized. And there's no filter, right? And so, so yeah. extremely powerful that, you know, education and awareness and, and telling your children, you know, if you've been through something like that, that it's not okay. Powerful. And so I want to talk about, so you weren't always, you know, an author and a speaker. So I, I read that you, you know, you were really good at economics and you had your master's and you won a scholarship. So how was this transition from you from being this, you know, um, A-plus student to becoming a speaker? What was that like? How did that come about? You know, um, it, it's, uh, it, it all happened very organically. Like when I started, uh, when I finished my master's and I got a job at the bank and I was doing my banking career and then I was doing all this speaking stuff on the side. And now this speaking stuff has grown to this level and I have a book and I'm now working on a second book and all of that. That's where my passion lies. And I've been, and I, and I was like, okay, I need to find, you know, a career uh, that also builds, brings in my intellectual capabilities and my passion. Uh, so for sure, writing and speaking, I love doing it. Um, but I'm also now pursuing more uh, education in the field of mental health because I'm really, really passionate about it. And I'm helping people build resilience and courage and, and le- live lives of, of freedom and truth and, uh, and, and doing that from a, from a mental health standpoint and helping them build new lives after trauma, etc. So um, that's, that's something that I'm working towards now. So I'm really pivoting my career from banking, economics and all, which, you know, I, I liked, I enjoyed, but um, this is definitely more me. Right. So it's a same thing about happiness and fulfillment, right? Not just in relationships, but whatever makes you happier in life. And you have to live your truth. You have to be true to who you are. That's when you'll do what you're best at. And that's when you'll succeed. And the, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's no question. I mean, for sure, you have to do sometimes things to get to where you want to be. And I certainly did that. And I'm very grateful for my years in banking and corporate life and all, but I always deep down knew that it's it's a transition phase because I've needed at that time to build myself financially, but you know, and, and be self-sufficient and all of that. And that was a chapter and now it's time for the next chapter. Yeah, and then you mentioned like speaking you know, speaking of building that you at one point you had you you were tutoring uh, kids and then you had a catering business <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, I used to sell uh, biryani, <laughs> butter chicken to students on campus to make money because I, you know, I was a student and I had like four or five minimum wage jobs on campus and raising my kids. So that selling, selling all that food helped me do my groceries and brought some money in and also uh, helped me make a lot of friends because they loved my food. So a lot of those people are still my friends and they always tease me, you know, we, 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 
we met you because of the food, but now we love you as a friend. <laughs> I'm like, no, I know you guys are still here for the food <laughs> because every time they're over, what did you cook? <laughs> I love cooking. I, I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. What an incredible story. So did speaking come naturally to you or did you have to like acquire some skills or get some training? Um, a bit of both. I think uh, I think I always liked speaking and I've always liked teaching. So I was always like, even, even when I was very young in school and growing up, I was always like choreograph. I, I used to choreograph all the school dances. I used to like go on stage and do like speeches for different things and run different clubs. And I created a school newspaper and I, you know, wrote, writing articles and things like that. So I was always a bit of a, um, I guess I like being, being a person who helps people, uh, being on stage and all. So it, 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 it was definitely something that I like doing. But then when I started speaking, um, this was like eight years ago, um, I was, uh, I, I wasn't nearly as, uh, as, you know, proficient at it as I am now. And I'm, I'm consist- consistently learning and growing and evolving because in the beginning it was more like I'm sharing my story. And the first time I shared my story on stage, I was like crying for half an hour. <laughs> uh, so over the years, I've learned how to take my messages and package them into different, different, uh, you know, little uh, packages I guess like you know I can do a topic about mental health I can do topics in corporate leadership I can do topics in diversity and inclusion I can do topics in uh, violence against women so there's a lot of different range of things that I can cover and package stories and, and learnings and insights the same way in different in different things and uh, so you know when I'm going to speak at a women's shelter about domestic abuse I can go much deeper into the abuse aspects and bring those things out Whereas when I'm talking into a corporate event and talking about authentic leadership, it's it's more about leading from a place of purpose and courage and, and building trust and connection with your teams. So um, there's different things and the different uh, different ways I can do it, and and that's the joy of it. That's what I love, like learning, and I love working with my clients to craft customized topics. Uh, that you know, here's how we're going to like, what do you need? Like I always put my clients first, like, what do you need? Uh, what are things that you are trying to tell your audience and your teams? And, uh, and then let's make that happen. Incredible. So it, it seems like a lot of things that you did growing up helped you uh, with your speaking career as well. So that's, that's oh, amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, so um I remember seeing one of your posts and you said that it's very important to connect with your own thoughts and feelings to get insights. And so uh, what, do you have any practices around that? What do you do to connect with your own thoughts and feelings? I journal uh, mm. quite a lot. Um, I talk to myself a lot. In fact, my children mm. make fun of me all the time. They're not talking to myself again. You know, like sometimes they like maybe walking or driving and I'm just ha- like talking. And like, what are you saying? And I'm like, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. It's like, you're so <laughs> weird. <laughs> so so I, I talk to myself a lot. I, um, I, I'm I very mindful of what goes on. I think, I, and I'm growing on that, on that one. Like I'm actually like being more diligent about it, conscious about it. Like what kind of dialogues are entering my mind? What am I saying to myself? What am, what am I listening to? Um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks along those lines as well, um, which which also um, is very liberating for me and just constantly learning and growing on that path. So 
but um, it's really about uh, whatever works for you. For everyone's different. For me, I'm a, I'm a speaker and a writer, so it's journaling and and just having conversations with me and really being very conscious about what goes in through me and listening to my body and listening to my gut. Like, I mean, I just went away on this month-long road trip in Quebec, which was very unplanned, but I just felt like doing it. And I, and I took off without any plan with just a car and a bunch of clothes and a pillow and a blanket in my in the back seat in case I had to sleep in the car because I, if I couldn't find a hotel um, and uh, it was a month of a lot of discovery a lot of self-discovery and self-love and, and shedding limiting beliefs um, because I, I was very conscious about what's going on in, in my mind and my in my heart and my body and, uh, when you listen to your inner voice you can never go wrong that's your inner inner compass that is guiding you yeah, a lot of it is just following that calling, right? And it's, a lot of time it's very hard and requires courage, but it is it is something that you have to do. It is living life, right? Otherwise, we'll always be living life according to other people's terms. And there's stigmas everywhere, right? Even with careers, like if you, you know, wanted to just be at the bank, people would have been like, oh, don't leave this job. And I'm sure there were challenges with that as well. And so um, I want to thank you for being on this show. And uh, I always like to end with two questions. One is a message from your heart to, to the audience. And um, if I were to make this difficult, I would ask you to send, give a message to the heart to, to that 16-year-old girl who, who just got arranged when I told you you say to her. You know what I would say to her is that I'm proud of you. Mm. I, would, I would thank her. And... She already had it in her. She already had the courage and the bravery. And and yes, she was afraid, but she kept pushing. She kept trying one more time. And if she hadn't done everything that she did, whether it was studying at night when the whole world was against her or not giving up on her dreams and trying to do whatever it takes to make things work, she hadn't done all that. I wouldn't exist today. Mm. So uh, I'm just very, very proud of her. Uh, I almost think of her as my kid. <laughs> uh, and and to people listening in, uh, the message I would give is that live your truth. Um, there is no service in diminishing your fire to fit other people's expectations and boxes. Mm. And when you start to love yourself and truly be true to who you are, it is going to be difficult. People will walk out of your life uh, sometimes even family, um, people will shun you, they will finish rejection. Sometimes you'll feel like you're the only one in a sea of crowd who's different. But that's your superpower. Because when those people walk out, the right people will walk in. When, when you're uh, unique and true to yourself, you will create your own tribe that will lift you up and champion you like nothing else. And if you're not getting what you need, to be true, truly, truly yourself from the people around you. You're not asking for the wrong things, you're asking the wrong people. And, you know, just love yourself so wholeheartedly and live your truth and your unique truth instead of conforming to what other people want you to be. And that is your superpower. You cannot go wrong. In fact, that is going to set you free like nothing else. And that's when success, excellence, everything will come your way. You know, when I shared my story for the first time, I was nervous. 
I'm, I come from a Pakistani background. It's, there's, it's, stigmatized, it's stigmatized, it's too traumatic, it's shameful to see things like these and speak about things like these. But if I hadn't chosen to share my story eight years ago because of that fear, I wouldn't have the life that I have today. I wouldn't be changing lives by the millions around the world. Like I got a letter, a handwritten letter from three girls from in a village in India who read my book in their tiny school library. And they wrote to me that after reading this book, we know that we will never give up on our dreams. Mm. And that is the gift. That is the legacy. Right? Uh, and, I, and I get messages like these every day. That's what I live with. That's what life is about. And that will not happen unless you're true to who you are and you're living your truth with full glory. Be, be very unapologetic about it. Wow. Incredible message, super powerful. Thank you so much. That was that was amazing. Um, and so um, I want to thank you again for being on the show and adding so much value to, to the people's lives who are going to listen in and tune in and listen to your story again. And so um, What's, uh, what's one place people can reach out to you and find you and connect with you? If you want uh, best way is Instagram. Uh, mm -hmm. I am Samra Zafar. That's my Instagram handle. Uh, my website is uh, www.samrazafar.com. You can send me an email through there. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, we, you know, we connected. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm very, very uh, approachable. Um, so you can find me on, on social media, but uh, I think those three would be, Instagram would be the first one. That's where I'm most active because I'm always posting stuff. Amazing. And I can vouch for how uh, approachable Sunrise because I reached out to her and, and she accepted my invitation and I'm grateful for that. So thank you again, Summer, for being on the show and uh, have an amazing weekend and an amazing rest of your life and good luck with all your projects. Thank you so much. All the best. Take care. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode. Feel free to leave a rating, a comment. If you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moon podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.